This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I'm Ken Abzog, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. And let's start talking about our favorite Game of Thrones scenes. Seven seasons to choose from so far. And now we've talked about big moments on the show. We've talked about the most rewatchable episodes of each season, which have moments that pull us back in. But I wanted to talk about what I call the quieter moments, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're actually quiet. They could be quite loud indeed or full of action, but these are not necessarily, say, Ned be being beheaded. Uh, this isn't uh, Cersei blowing up the Sept of Baelor. This isn't the Battle of Blackwater or Danny high atop a dragon. This is smaller, more specific intimate moments or moments that explain things, moments that when you look back carry much more weight, and they're these tiny moments that keep pulling us back to the shows, and, and shows episodes, I should say, and um, like I said, it's a fun discussion we're going to focus on it, we've been talking about quotes if you still have a favorite Game of Thrones quote, I do want to hear it, send it on, call on in here to the station here on Anchor, but let's start focusing on scenes and I want to go all the way back to the beginning I want to go back to episode one, season one. That's right, the pilot, at least the pilot we saw, winter is coming, and I want to go to the moment where Ned beheads Will, the night's watchman no more, who, of course, saw a a white walker, saw whites, saw Garrett and uh, Waymer Royce killed, and fled, survived. We don't know why the White Walkers let him live. They could have easily killed him. Wasn't one of those, like, go tell the world what you saw here, kid. I don't know. But it's the first time we really, of course, meet the Starks. This is our viewpoint into the world, and we learn a lot in this moment. And every time I watch the pilot, and it's probably the most rewatched episode on my list because... When you do a rewatch of all the seasons, you start there. A lot of times I've just put it on to have in the background. I just recently did it for a Collider project. Rewatch that episode. I've lost count of how many times I've seen the pilot. But I'm always just absolutely gripped by that moment. I am gripped by what Ned is saying to Will, this oath. Uh, Ned's it's grim. Ned's got to do his job. He doesn't necessarily want to. He it, It weighs heavy on his soul. And then this kind of, uh, you know, ironic theme that he puts out there. The man who uh, carries, uh, uh, you know, makes a sentence that must carry it out. You got to be the one to do it. That's something Joffrey would never do, and a lot of lords in the land would not do, but that's not Ned. And then there's these moments as Will is saying, hey, I know what I saw. Don't tell my family, but I know what I saw. And and Ned and and Roger Cassell share a look that's, to me, telling. I think in those moments, I actually think they believe, because they share that look again when they find the dire wolf. And dire wolves haven't been south of the wall in years upon years, if not generations upon generations. And Ned and Roderick share another kind of look. What is happening? This means something. And then another uh, little uh, wrinkle to that uh, scene is Bran. Still got two working legs. Oh, Bran, we miss those days. Yes, sweet little kid. And there's Jon Snow behind him saying, don't look away. 
Father will know if you do. And Bran kind of looks back, looks up, and I think it is a, it's a testament to this character, Bran. He's always going to look. He's always willing to face down the horrors of this land, and now he might have something to do with it, but now he's just, he is just watching. Now he can't look away. He has looked at that moment, and he has looked ever since. And now it is, it is a figurative and literal uh, gaze upon this world, and Bran cannot turn away. So he learns a lot in that moment. And then the follow-up of, of Bran kind of asking, well, why'd you do that? Well, he broke his vow. Well, so that man was lying? Well, Ned can't really give him that answer. I think Ned feels something stirring, and I think Bran, it's amazing in those moments, Bran is going to, he's going to learn all of this. He's going to be front and center of what Will is talking about. It is a heavy moment. It learns, uh, it helps us learn a lot, teaches us a lot, and it's filled with such odd tension in the beginning. You don't even quite understand when you're watching it for the first time, but if you go back, you can still learn from it. So that's my first moment. Episode 1, Season 1, Winter is Coming, Ned Beheads Will. What's yours? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. So my quiet secondary moment uh, for me will be um, Tywin Lannister melting down the Stark sword ice into the two swords that we now know are Widow's Whale and Oathkeeper. And in that scene, not a single word is spoken. Except you hear the roar of the bellows and the artisans that are actually pouring the Valyrian steel into the two molds. And Tywin's simply sitting there looking with a look of accomplishment, victory, and complete satisfaction. Uh, and then uh, quietly and respectfully, with a great deal of dignity and respect, placing the wolf pelt into the fire. As a guy like Tywin has checkpoints in his life. This is one of them. Uh, a sense of victory is at hand. That is my quiet moment in Game of Thrones. Kevin calling in with a great moment. This is absolutely one of my favorite moments in all of Game of Thrones. It's it's part of the reason I have, I have this list going. I, I love these t- quieter, tinier moments. And this is a great cold open. This is Tywin. This is going now to season four, episode one. The reigns of Castamere have, have have been heard again in the halls. The red wedding is is gone. Ned is gone. Everyone is gone. And Tywin Lannister burns down ice. Perhaps the greatest sword in the land. Definitely the biggest sword in the land. Valerian still, which would come in handy later on if it's still around. But hey, at least we've got two more Valerian still swords floating about. And it means so much. And Kevin's right. There, I love scenes without dialogue. I love if you can tell the story with nothing. And, and, and Charles Dance's face really, absolutely tells the story. They take their time with this. The sword is, is destroyed. It, it's, it's, I love the, uh, the uh, blacksmith, the smithy there kind of taking the sword apart. It's sad. You're kind of re-watching that again. You're watching Ned be destroyed one more time. You're, you're watching as the Starks are being taken apart piece by piece. Tywin did it with the stroke of his pen. Let other people take, uh, take, the, uh, take the lead so the blood's on their hands in the public eye. It's another, another testament to Tywin's victory. And then uh, to burn it down. And yeah, Kevin's right. There's a weird 
disdain and respect in Tywin's face as he throws the wolf pelt, pelt away. I'm sure he respects his enemies. Tywin is an interesting and complicated character to me. There's a, there's a lot of things you can learn from Tywin and his leadership, which is weird to say I know. But he, as brutal as he is, as ruthless as he is, he's successful. And sometimes you can look at uh, those who have success, you can take some notes about the things you should do and maybe about the things you shouldn't do. There's a lot there. And in that moment, we see Tywin at his most successful. This is the moment where he can feel victory. It's literally in his grasp now with two swords. And, and there's a great purpose to the swords, at least in his mind. He's going to give one to the king who he, he is controlling, his family, and then he's going to give one to his son, and he has great plans for what's going to happen with that. But Jamie doesn't go along with that. And Joffrey never gets the chance to be the king that Tywin can control for much longer, at least. So you go back to this moment. It might be Tywin's finest moment. A peak, so to speak, uh, of his career. It was all sort of downhill from, down, from there. We, he didn't really know it. That's the kind of thing. Sometimes you don't know when you're falling and when it's all going downhill. But you go back to this moment, it is a it was something very different too. To start the, they had cold openings, of course, before. Some of those are my favorite moments, but this one was real different. The melting down of ice. Great moment. Great call. What are your favorite moments here? For Game of Thrones, the smaller moments, the secondary moments, not the ones that get all the headlines, but the ones on which the show is built. Let us know here at Daily Thrones. Call in. If you're listening to the Daily Podcast, download the app. Call in as well and spread the word. Let's have this conversation about our favorite moments, our favorite scenes in Game of Thrones. Hey, Ken, checking back in. Thank you for uh, the congratulations on my sister and my new brother-in-law's wedding. I made sure I did pass it on to them. Had a great time. So, on to your question. You know, great moments. My moment, my first moment I'm going to talk about, also goes back pretty much to the beginning. Episode 4, and it's the bathtub scene with Daria and Viserys. It's a scene not in the book, but it's a scene I absolutely love because there's a lot of information in that scene. And to be perfectly honest, I was a very big fan of Daria's. I thought she was absolutely gorgeous. But, you know, you hear Viserys talk about the throne room and how the dragon skulls decorated it. And you hear Daria say something very key, how she met a man who could change his face the way other men change their clothes. Who was she talking about? We found out. And Viserys, though, of course, at the end of the scene... The jerk in him, of course, comes right out, and, but it's still, for me, a great scene. Eric, you're right. That bathtub scene with Viserys and DeRay is great. Roxanne McKee, great as DeRay, really brought something to it. Uh, you, always something behind her eyes. She'd seen the world. She was more knowledgeable than she let on, and it starts to come out in that moment. And you go back and watch that scene, and you start realizing, oh my gosh, he's talking about the faceless men. Viserys is talking about the dragons that we're going to see. A lot of history. A lot of really sneaky expo- exposition in that moment. I love it. And of course, it shows as kind of his, uh, as we, we know, Viserys. 
not a good guy. Great moment. Keep your moments coming here on Daily Thrones. Welcome back to Daily Thrones. I'm Cat Absec, and we are looking at some of our favorite scenes in Game of Thrones. Those smaller moments, the quieter moments, the more intimate moments, the more specific moments that help fill out the story, the characters, and keep bringing us back for more often to learn more things. It's no secret, I am a fan of Sir Jorah Mormont, and that includes... His faults. I know he's done bad things. I know at times he comes off a little creepy and a little obsessive and a little too much, but there is a heart there. There is a powerful heart to this character that draws draws in a lot of people uh, into his corner. A lot of people root for Jorah, and, and it's not just the old broken down men, right? It is. Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, his story is uh, is a complicated one. Why he was even banished from the land is complicated. I love that Jorah Mormont actually doesn't have a favorable opinion of Ned Stark. It makes things especially interesting later on when he meets Jon Snow. So, and they share a great moment too, and that might be the moment there over uh, over Longclaw might be a moment later on. Don't want to spoil the things I'm doing here, but going back uh, to season one, as I'm kind of going season by season, just pulling some moments, and then you guys can throw in your season uh, episode. Doesn't matter what season, just throw in your favorite moments. But I'm going back to episode six, A Golden Crown, one of the best episodes of this show. It is Viserys' end. And you see Viserys kind of flailing all the way up through the the, the season, starts in a position of power, though he never really had that power, uh, was, a, was a tool in the Targaryen restoration anyways, uh, and then uh, it just keeps slipping away from him, and he watches his sister, who was supposed to be a pawn in his plan, rise to power, and this is the episode that finds her eating a horse's heart, in front of the Dosh Colleen, in front of all the Dothraki, she becomes a queen on that day. Jorah sees it and recognizes it. Viserys, he can't deal with it. So he goes off to steal the dragon eggs and to leave. And Jorah's already had this moment. He's, he's absolutely a spy. He's working for Varys. He's working for uh, a, 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 a excuse and, 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 a, and a reason to go back. He's working for that pardon from Robert Baratheon, which he does get. And I think he already turned earlier on when he when he saves uh, uh, Danny from being poisoned. He had a chance to go back home. He didn't. He was already infatuated. He was already in love, and he was already part of the cause. But this is a powerful moment because a lot of that was internal. But I think in this particular moment, not that Varys, I don't think, was completely aware of Jorah's purpose. At all, and in fact, probably not aware at all. But this is Jorah in one of his top five moments. I think a lot of people will, will go to this moment and say this is a, a big victory for Jorah. The, the saving Danny from the poison... It's almost tainted because of what you learn about him, that it was uh, it was a switch, it was the swerve in his heart. But this is the moment when he stands before Viserys and for the first time is really challenged. Uh, the idea that he loves Danny is put in front of him. Viserys sees it. It's no secret. I see what you want with my sister. You're old pervert. You're old creep. Go ahead. Take her. Have her. Which just shows, again, cements of Viserys is just scum. And... All, all Jorah has to do, just walk away. Walk away, take her, have her. But he knows what Viserys is trying to do, trying to take the dragon eggs. He knows the bigger picture. He knows they're going to... And not because I think Jorah thought those dragon eggs were going to hatch, but he knows that's their biggest thing of value. That's how they're going to get back. And 
this man, the man who he kind of pledged himself as a, hey, let me help you, future king, even though Jorah had other ideas and wanted the pardon from, from Robert Baratheon, uh, he had pledged himself to Viserys from a certain point of view, that he stands in front of him, prepared to take him down, prepared to stop, prepared to stop him from taking those eggs. And I love that moment when Viserys throws in his face, and yet here you stand, and Jorah says, and yet here I stand. Viserys backs down, drops the eggs, and runs. He'll come back and meet his doom. But it's in that moment that Jorah really has a big victory. And from that point on until he falters and then works his way back, he is in the good graces of everyone. It's a defining moment for the first half of Jorah's character. He'll have others to come. Oh, that road Jorah takes. What's your moments, your smaller, more specific, intimate moments that keep bringing you back in for the show? Call in here to Daily Thrones on Anchor, and let's talk about it. Hey, Ken. It's Vic. Just checking in. I haven't called in in a while, but I really love this question about favorite scenes. One of my favorite scenes is from Season 5, where Jon Snow, after becoming... Lord Commander beheads Janice Slint. And the reason I love this scene so much is because I think it's a turning point for John's character where he fully realizes what it means to be a leader and fulfills what Ned was talking about all the way in season one about how the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Janice Slint was undermining John's authority, and I think he realized the only way to gain the full respect of the nice watch is to execute this man. And there's a great shot of Stannis at the end giving him a nod of recognition, like, I understand you, and now you know what it means to be a leader. Anyway. It's good to hear from you again, Vic, and that's a great call with a great scene and a great moment for Jon Snow. Kill the boy and let the man grow up and show up and appear. That's kind of the theme, the unofficial paraphrase theme, from Aemon Targaryen to Jon Snow. And that moment is definitely one of the defining moments for Jon Snow. Janice Slint, by the rights and rules of the land, deserved to die. Jon made it happen. It was a precursor to what would happen later on, of course, when he'd hang the men that did him wrong by, you know, killing him. So if you go back to that moment, you can see Jon Snow being formed and forged by fire into the leader that he will one day become. I still think the ultimate Jon Snow, the highly evolved Jon Snow in his final form is still forthcoming. It's all a lesson. And it's a good Stannis moment. I love my Stannis moments. Stannis looking across the courtyard to Jon Snow and giving him a nod of, good job, that was your duty, and you did it. It's a great scene, full of a lot of lessons and moments, and that's why we love these scenes in Game of Thrones. If you have a scene, call in now. Let's talk about it. Hey, Ken, another moment I wanted to talk about, and it's also back in Season 1, and it's when Jamie and Ned Stark have their sword fight, their clash. Jamie confronts him after he hears that, you know, Tyrion's been taken captive by Catelyn Stark, and they start going at it. And I think Jamie is a little surprised of how good Ned actually really is with a sword. It's, it's a pretty evenly matched fight. It's going back and forth. We don't know who's going to win. And then what happens? One of Jamie's men maims 
Ned. And it's the look that Jamie gives when that happens of almost disappointment, even though Jamie knew he was he was in real trouble, that he may have died. But it was that look of disappointment on Jamie's face that I liked. And he punches the guard who maims Ned. And I think deep down, Jamie was upset because he wanted to prove to himself that he could beat Ned Stark. And this is why we talk about those scenes. It's those little moments, and Eric's brought up a great one from season one when Ned and Jamie finally face off. Something that had been teased all the way back to that feast in Winterfell where they uh, met and Jamie talked about attorney and Ned said, I don't fight attorneys, I don't practice, I don't let any, anyone see what I can uh, do and how Jamie chooses his, his, uh, his opponents well. It was a great moment then and then... Uh, Flash forward to this bad moment. The fight itself is great, though it's funny to look at the budget back then, season one. That was definitely a little soundstage action, but it was good. It was violent. Jory Cassell taking one in the eye. Too bad there, but I've always wondered what would happen if Jamie and Ned had had a full chance to just go at it. Fight sword on sword. Who would have won? Ned was older, a little slower. Jamie... Definitely has some great battle experience, but maybe hadn't faced an opponent uh, that was worthy of his skills in a while. Would have been a fair fight. Uh, I don't know who had the advantage at the time. It seemed like Jamie was in control, but like Eric said, the looks on his face showed he was surprised at the way Ned could still bring it. Within that moment, Lannister soldier spears Ned. That look on Jamie's face does tell the story. It's almost as if Jamie realizes his reputation will once again suffer. He's the Kingslayer. Now he can't beat Ned in a fair fight. His men have to uh, help him. And you can see in that moment, and that's the little details I love. So great moment there, Eric. You guys out there, this is what we're doing for uh, the next few days here on Daily Thrones. Talking about our favorite scenes, but more importantly, those quieter, more specific spotlight moments in which the story of Game of Thrones really comes to life and stays with you. It's the little moments we're looking into them here. Daily Thrones on Anchor.